Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan, of CNET. Last weekend, Houston hosted the LCS Spring Finals. It ended up being a knockout weekend for Evil Geniuses, which beat both Team Liquid and 100 Thieves 3-0 in a total shutout. But the finals was also the first in-person indoor league event on North American soil in over two years. Inside the venue, many were largely maskless, even as thousands crowded down at the FanFest to take photos with their favorite teams. Joining me to talk Evil Geniuses is General Manager Andy Barton. This interview was taped before the finals match against 100 Thieves on Sunday. And later on, we'll have Chris Greeley, head of esports for North America and Oceania at Riot Games, to talk about in-person league events. Andy, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So, you know, looking at the stats alone, uh, Team Liquid had the power and experience to really take on Evil Geniuses on, on Saturday, yet your team was able to 3-0 Liquid uh, handily. Uh, clearly, EG had a strategy in mind when putting together this roster. I'm curious what was the impetus or inspiration behind uh, the strategy, uh, one that didn't look at expensive star talent, and how were you able to get you know, the ownership on board with this strategy? Yeah, so you know, I, I think first and foremost, going back to the stats from the Team Liquid series, you know, we have internal stats, and you know, I'm always looking at our subset of scrim data, and that is actually what is most important to me, and that is really primarily due to that sample size. Mm -hmm. But going now towards the roster construction piece, you know, this was a big year for us. You know, we promoted last year, Danny, all the way up from amateur, huge risk, and you know, what. I bought into was how confident this young man was in himself and ready to take that jump mm -hmm. because by no means would I ever put in a player who he himself is not ready. So I saw that confidence from him and then, you know, throughout whenever I met Jojo, this is a player at the age of 16 who, you know, wax, he's 24. His maturity level is up there. And so, you know, I was entirely bought in, bought in to getting him to the LCS stage. But I think what's pivotal about having those two pieces is I need other strong veterans around them who are able to educate them on really what it's like going from academy amateur and actually playing in the LCS against these more formidable opponents. And so, you know, while we don't want to think I don't have the most costly imports here or anything, you know, I've got some stars here in Vulcan inspired and impact. And, you know, when discussing this roster with them and getting them to buy into it, they understand their duties and roles here. And it's to, you know, guide these two young players who my staff have worked with now for over two years and to get them to believe that, hey, trust in your coaching staff, trust in the management. We have selected these players and we believe in them and you put and they put their faith in us. And so I couldn't be more thankful for their buy-in towards my greater vision of this roster. And even going to over to the organization side, you know, we, we have been championing this North American talent for quite some time. And, you know, I think we took steps towards that when hiring Peter Dunn when investing into amateur. All of this, you know, was not done on a whim. It's all been based on a very long-term vision I have in order to create a sustainable system here in North America. Mm -hmm. You know, speaking of your younger uh, your younger players, like Danny and Judge Tune, um, how did you get them, like, stage ready? Because that in and of itself is a challenge for younger players, right, to be able to play in large crowds. And, um, you know, how was Evil Geniuses able to pull their potential out so quickly and perform under high pressure with a crowd screaming? Yeah, so, you know, I think that credit really goes to my coaching staff and then also our performance team that's, you know, being championed by Connor Doyle um, or Artemis. And, you know, he's done a fantastic job of preparing these players and the whole organization has. But, you know, I think it goes back to really when I first met these two individuals. 
I knew even before walk-in or anything mm-hmm. that these players were going to go on stage and just they're going to take it all in. And so, you know, not to discredit our performance team or coaches or any of that, but I just knew from meeting them and working with them, they would have no fear going on this stage. And I think we've really seen that throughout the playoffs. Mm, how, does, how does one discern that ability out of a person through conversation? I, I, it's really tough. And, you know, <laughs> I'm going to, I guess, give myself a little credit here. Yeah. But I think when it comes to working with people, learning more about them, you know, I take so much time to understand that because the decisions I make have great ramifications about how our organization is going to be run for years to come. Mm-hmm. All of my decisions, I have to think about so many different pathways. And, you know, I just, I'm going to give the credit to myself ultimately on making those decisions and kind of figuring people out. But, you know, it's kind of been my bread and butter, more or less, going here at EG, being the GM. <laughs> so, you know, your younger players were recruited during the pandemic. Um, and, you know, with the spring finals on, this is kind of their first, like, you know, major in-person event, event with a lot of players. Um, and, you know, not, and it seems that they've comfortably settled down on stage. I mean, at any point, was there a concern that they would get the jitters and get the nerves on stage? I mean, uh, I'm being... 100% honest. There was not a single concern <laughs> in really any of the players, any of the coaches, or any of the any of the management. Yeah. No one was concerned about these players. It, it's probably shocking to hear that. Yeah. I mean, you know, when it comes to the development of this team, you know, I think of, you know, something like the Houston Astros and, you know, how they were able to uh, pull in talents that, you know, weren't big buys, but right. really like looking at um, kind of like the, the, the strategy of individual players as like pieces on a chessboard correct and and pushing that through i mean did did some of that um knowledge or experience like where did that come from did it come from your time at clutch gaming and maybe learning from some some folks at the rockets or did you just watch a bunch of like sports documentaries like where was this inspiration i i think it's definitely started you know obviously started competing i was primarily playing Mm -hmm. dota back in the day yeah and so you know had a little bit of competitive experience but not a professional or anything yeah so you know had a lot of time really just learning about teams working from there at a young age and then really i was able to take that step forward at clutch gaming exactly and you know learning under sebastian park and daryl moray about their roster constructions philosophies Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. you know ultimately creating my own system you know really derived from the knowledge that they passed on to me and so you know i i can go back to really thinking about clutch and you know we brought up Vulcan with Piglet, a super experienced ADC, and Piglet was there to work with him and train mm-hmm. him and get him ready. And so bringing back a little bit of that philosophy here, Vulcan's now back, and he's working with Danny training him. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of funny how that's really come full circle, but, you know, I give a lot of credit ultimately towards my time at Clutch Gaming and really all the skills I was able to gain from the team there and transferring them to EG, my staff joining me as well. And, you know, we have been, we've been working at this for, you know, four years almost and so it is it's so exciting to see us making our first finals really as a staff players here as well some of them you know have made finals and whatnot mm-hmm. but this this work and everything we put in is a big moment for us and i'm just I'm super excited for everyone who's been a part of the journey yeah you know I, the, the the reason i really enjoy eg games is that there's a much faster pace to them and yep. you know correct me if i'm wrong it feels that eg is not playing at the lcs meta but it's playing right. at like a, on a global meta um first of all am i right in saying that and uh, two, it's uh, I, I guess what does that does that mean that EG has its like sights set on worlds? Absolutely. You know, when designing this team and talking about our playstyle philosophies and how we want to approach the game, I, I'm not interested in playing NA or N. We've we've seen the NA teams go to worlds year after year, and it does not work. And so, you know, 
we can go back to maybe playing that style here in North America, but it's not going to do us justice on the international stage. And so obviously we have to win domestically first, and we all understand that. But through all of our conversations, the philosophies about the game and whatnot, you know, we have our sights absolutely set on the international stage and how to approach the game at that level. <laughs> you know, uh, a topic of concern, since this is like one of the first major in-person live events indoors, um, is COVID itself, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, what are some of the things that maybe EG is doing to ensure that a co positive COVID test doesn't come up? Because if it does, then, you know, that puts your team in a very difficult position. Right. Um, and do you think that Riot Games is doing a good job in helping you guys manage these risks? I think they've done a tremendous job so far. You know, the hotel has been pretty safe. A everything here has been safe, so I'm super thankful for that. But, you know, ultimately, I think throughout COVID, so, you know, two years now, but coming into this year as well, you know, all talking with all of our guys and discussing, you know, the risk and concerns there, got to take it very seriously. You know, mm -hmm. we, we don't want to screw up our season. And so, you know, we have protections and whatnot in LA at our office and such, you know, strict quarantine rules and everything everyone follows. Um, and, you know, I'm just happy we really haven't had that problem over here. And so I, I know our guys are super well behaved. And so it just hasn't been a concern of mine. Yeah, I mean, uh, are you telling uh, your team, like, you know, no after parties, no... <laughs> none, of, <laughs> none of that, you know, we've got, I mean, if we win, we got to go to MSI on Tuesday, yeah. so we got to get the PCR test, but, you know, we at EG have also been testing every week. I think we've been testing twice a week, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, we are just taking as many precautions as possible. If someone's feeling bad, okay, great. Let's play from home this day, and that'll be okay. Just as a precaution, we'll get you tested real quick. You're yeah. okay? Okay, great. Let's bring you back into the office. Yeah, so again, correct me if I'm wrong, it, it sounds like it's um, it's cautious optimism, so it's not that you're, you're putting them in a, in a really tight bubble and saying like, no, you cannot interact right. with anybody. Um, you're letting them kind, you're letting the players and the staff kind of enjoy their time here maybe and interact with fans. Um, but I guess in the back of the back of your mind, there is there is maybe this lingering idea Always. that something could happen. And it, 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 does it does it just feel like you're kind of, uh, playing the day as it goes along almost? A little bit, but, and you know, we're, we're always going to take those concerns super seriously. So, you know, really anytime we're going through a big crowd, mass on, um, and take that super seriously. Yeah. So, you know, we just, we have to be cautious about this and all of our guys understand that. And, you know, as a GM, I, I put so much trust and faith in really my operators, my managers, coaches, players, everyone has my trust. And so I have to be able to give that to them so they can give it back to me. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, your, uh, your match uh, with uh, 100 Thieves is about to start soon. Uh, thank you so much for giving me some of your time. Hey, no, I appreciate it. As always, have me on, so thank you. Mm -hmm. And joining me now is Riot Games Head of Esports for North America and Oceania, Chris Greeley. Chris, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Well, thanks for having me. So, Chris, how weird is it that after two years of lockdown that you're back in person at a major event with thousands of people, few masks in sight? Yeah, it's, um, it's, it is crazy. We had, you know, last year we were supposed to be at the Credential Center and canceling it was a was a really hard decision, right? We were right in the middle of the Delta variant, uh, and it was just a world where we couldn't risk getting fans sick or pros sick uh, or our own staff sick. As we as we're coming into it now, like while numbers are, are slightly up, vaccination rates are really high. Uh, CDC is re is relaxing restrictions. You no longer need to wear a mask on a plane or in an Uber. Um, so it's you know the the timing worked out really well for us. And the, the show has felt great, right? Fans have come back, they seem excited. Um, the place was super loud yesterday and we expect it to be even louder today. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just the, it might not be the full return to normalcy that we're all, we're all hoping for, but 
from an esports perspective, man, it's about as close as, as we've gotten in a long time, and it feels really real. Mm-hmm. As a Houstonian, I'm curious about what your thoughts are on running a tournament here. Um, you know, generally, concerts avoid Houston. They end up going to Dallas or Austin. I mean, what has your experience like been in Houston running an event here? I, Houston's been great. I, you know, we have, we have good experiences in Houston. We have, um, when we franchised the league back in, in 2017, right. uh, we had the Rockets come in uh, with Clutch Gaming, uh, and they were, they were great partners for us uh, and, you know, still are uh, as minority owners in that team. But, you know, they, uh, they were very welcoming. We came down. We spent time with them. Um, coming back to the to Houston now to run a show, the folks at NRG have been fantastic. Like the the city, the people in it are just so warm and welcoming, uh, and the crowd here has been loud and passionate and ready to go. So mm. we're we're super happy to be here. You know, I know players and staff are uh, being regularly tested for COVID, mm-hmm. um, but there's still kind of this odd dichotomy in that there are thousands of people in attendance now. You know, none requiring a negative test or a vaccination card. I mean, I'm curious, what were conversations at Riot like when deciding to start in-person events again? Yeah, we spend a, we've got uh, risk assessment folks. We've got uh, COVID specialists that, that we work with. Um, and we spent a lot of time. We really wanted to understand the risk levels at a, at a couple different points, right? One is obviously our pros and our pro teams. The team that wins today is going to get on a plane in three days and head to Korea for MSI. So we needed to make sure at the end of the day that we were keeping those guys safe. Um, we have our internal staff. You know, we ask uh, people from LA to hop on a plane and come down here and work the show, as well as all the freelancers and contractors that we hire from the local Houston area. And we want to make sure that when all of them get back on a plane, they're they're also healthy. And then obviously the fans, right? We don't. No one wants to throw a super spreader event. Um, so we we talked a lot about what it would look like and kind of what it would take to have to cancel this show if if things got worse. You know, ultimately um, Texas has. Uh, rules around what you can and can't ask for uh, for folks coming into a venue. So uh, we don't have the ability to ask for vaccination status here, uh, for example, or to require masks. Um, but you know, we have made uh, masks highly recommended. Uh, people are making their, their own decisions kind of walking around the arena. We have a pretty tight bubble uh, around the pro players to make sure that uh, the folks who are getting on stage don't have choices that are forced upon them. So if they make a decision to go out into the crowd and, and shake hands and meet fans, that is absolutely something that they're, they're permitted to do, uh, if not discouraged. But uh, we, we certainly want to make sure that we're, we're keeping the bubble as tight as we can around them on the riot side so that you know ultimately when they got on a plane to go back to LA or to go to Korea or wherever else, um, they're healthy when they do so. Yeah, here's kind of an odd question. I mean, now that events are starting back up, you're going to be having events all, all across the country. Uh, different states will have different rules. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you personally, do you like the states with more stringent rules or with more relaxed rules? You know, I, I, I don't really have a, a preference <laughs> one way or the other. Yeah. You know, we're, we're going to run the procedures that we run for our, our staff and, and pro players. Um, I, I think the difficulty, obviously, is just navigating the rules and making sure that you know, when we go to a state, we understand the things that we can do and we can't do. Uh, and the issue is those rules are constantly evolving. You yeah. know, when we booked this show uh, had to be a year ago at this point. Um, we were in a much different COVID world than we are now with much different restrictions at both the federal and the state level. So we keep up with them as they change. We're trying not to make decisions that are based solely around the way a state is treating COVID at any particular time since obviously you know, the, the pandemic can change or endemic uh, now mm-hmm. or local rules or federal rules. So we're, uh, it doesn't play a huge part in our decision making. We just want to follow 
you know, all the local and federal rules mm -hmm. uh, and all the best practices to make sure that we're keeping people as safe as we can. Yeah, and you know, there's a um, kind of an odd occurrence, at least this past year across the country, at least in some states, it's like there's been a, some issues have been like uh, charged politically. And I know events that, you know, maybe would be taking place in Florida this year are at now considering other states. Um, when it comes to like these sensitive political issues, I mean, how does Riot kind of um, parse like, okay, you know, are we going to go into this state with maybe certain policies that are happening, uh, you know, at, uh, at the uh, legislative level? And, you know, do we want to go in? Do we want to not go in? I mean, what, what are some of those conversations like? Yeah, you know, those are, um, those are always difficult conversations. And at the end of the day, there's, for the most part, we, the governor of any state, the le state legislature, they're not the ones showing up mm -hmm. at our shows. It's, it's the fans. Um, and we want to make sure that we're, we are everywhere that our fans are and are able to service fans uh, in, you know, all over the country. So, mm -hmm. um, it comes up in, in conversation. It hasn't, it hasn't changed any of our decisions or forced to pivot. It might in the future. It certainly hasn't up to now. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we, we want to make sure that we're remaining fan first and that you know, we're not punishing fans for things that they really have no control over. Mm -hmm. Do you think live events have kind of hurt or benefited from the two years off? I think it's a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. um, I think there are, you know, if, when you couple it with, with all the inflation we're seeing now, uh, I think potentially has hurt as you know more people are spending more to drive their car or to buy goods or even buy a car or, or, or have food at this point. Uh, so that certainly relieves them of some of their entertainment income that they might use to go to a show like ours. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, there's a ton of pent up demand uh, for folks who are just you know we've never been to Texas, so coming here after a pandemic where you know there's there's been so few like big live esports events since the beginning of the pandemic, I think has created a really great environment for us to be able to service fans. But again, there's like obviously some things that have made people, uh, I'm sure there are people who didn't show up to this show either because uh, they have, they continue to have COVID fears and don't want to be in a crowd, which is totally understandable. Uh, or uh, they may have disposable income issues because of inflation or even long-term COVID-related, you know, market shrinkages and those things. So, like I said, I think it's it's a mixed bag, but we're happy to be here to service the fans who were able to come in person, and then hopefully for the folks uh, that, that weren't able to make it, uh, they enjoy the show on, on broadcast today. Yeah, you know, transitioning straight into that, I mean, you know, I, uh, what do you think of the current turnout? Um, I mean, are you, is Riot Games happy with it? Was there kind of an expectation of COVID still around, like how you um, I don't know, evaluated expectations? So. Uh, the great thing about this venue is that we were able to scale uh, mm -hmm. pretty efficiently from, you know, the usual, our, our Saturday crowd's always smaller than the Sunday crowd because it's right. just not the finals. So I, I think yesterday felt really full, felt really loud, and today is just going to feel bigger than that. Mm -hmm. um, so because of the way our stage is set up and the way we have the arena set up, we're able to open more sections and kind of move around, uh, move around the stage. Uh, and that's uh, left us in a good position to welcome as many fans as, as wanted to be here today. So we feel great about the number of fans that we have on site. I think across the weekend we'll have, uh, I think it's 21 or 22,000 mm -hmm. fans that'll, that'll come through. Um, obviously some folks came to both days, so, but uh, yeah, I think the, the numbers have been great. The, the noise and the energy, which is really what we're hoping for, uh, has also been, you know, exceeded expectations. You know, um, as somebody <coughs> who's um, missed esports, missed events these past few years, I'm glad that you guys are back. 
And, you know, I really hope there isn't, like, another uh, variant that comes around that kind of shuts things down again because I want to go to more events and, you know, shake hands, meet people. And, you know, I, I assume you feel the same. And, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show and, you know, giving me some of your thoughts. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's been a great talk. That was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts of the show, head on over to ftwahmad.com. To follow Andy and stay up to date on Evil Genius' League of Legends team, follow him on Twitter at Andy Barton. Andy is spelled with three Ys. To follow Chris over at Riot, you can find him at IamGerza, that's G-R-Z-A, on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at CNET, you can find me at Imad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Henrique Demore. The show's executive producer is Kevin Morris. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.